Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode two of our Moving Energy Forward series, a series of special edition episodes where we sit down with esteemed professionals from all facets of the energy sector in an effort to gain expert knowledge, share that knowledge with all of you, and to join the important discussion on the future of energy. Thank you to our partner, Bennett Jones, for making this series possible. Today, our series host, Wayne Steffler of Future Energy Oakville, is back and is joined by Andrew McLean, Global Solar Technical Lead at Hatch, a global network of 10,000 professionals who are experts in both engineering and business, working in partnership with their clients to develop market strategies, manage and optimize production, develop new game-changing technologies, and design and deliver complex capital projects. Today's discussion will cover topics such as recent solar energy developments, geographic and climactic factors to consider when installing solar panels, what net metering is and how it works here in Oakville, how solar panels affect property value, and the business case for homeowners and businesses. Let's get into it. So Andrew, tell us a little bit about your role at Hatch and Hatch's role in solar technology. So I'm Hatch's Global Solar Technical Lead, which essentially means that any technical project gets passed through me for for review, and I'm generally involved in all the the complex ones, let's say. Um, This is a combination of just having 13 years' experience in the field and, you know, knowing most of the participants. Uh, As far as Hatch's role in the industry, we are sort of involved from the, the conceptual birth of a project all the way through to its death. Uh, with a lot of more involvement on the, the front end of projects, typically. We, we support clients through project initiation, site selection, preliminary design, and then we tend to step back a little bit and then provide a consulting role as, as owner's engineer during construction. So we're, we're, we're sort of their back pocket engineer when they hire a, a constructor. You know, that we're reviewing things. We're making sure that the constructor is you know, doing a good job. It's like you hire a, a guy to work on your house. you you got to keep an eye on them. We're that, but for large, you know, solar farms. Right, right. Um, so it's, it, we have a very trusted relationship with clients because that's the nature of that business. We do also do the, the full design scope, but we, we found that we have a, a stronger niche in the supporting role than doing the, the full engineering design package. Can you give us a bit of an overview of the solar project at the Oakville Hospital? So that was a, a full, we did, we did the full design on that one, including the custom steel structure you can see. Uh, that was a full donation from Hatch to the hospital, including all future revenues. So both both the asset itself and the future revenue stream are the donation. Uh, currently, I am responsible for the the operations and maintenance of that asset. So I you know keep keep an eye on my phone for alarms <laughs> and dispatch you know people as necessary. If there's you know oh combiner thirteen went down, it's unlucky. It's, that's what happens. Combiner thirteen. Uh, or in uh, annual maintenance. The thing's been doing great. Uh, we're, we're a couple percent over target, and we've been live for years now. So uh, overall, great asset and a uh, fun one to watch. It's, yeah. it's really one of a kind from the design, too. It's, yeah. It really looks nice the way it's integrated into the building. So how long has, the, has it been in operation at the hospital, the solar? Almost exactly eight years at this point. Oh, great. And, it, and it's running well? Oh, very well. Yeah. There's been a, a couple downtimes, but that's the nature of the thing. And overall, it's been exceeding expectations. Great, great. So could you tell us, what, what are some of the recent developments in solar technology that may make it uh, more viable for homeowners and businesses in Oakville? Well, there's, there's two main ones. The first is cost. Since I've been in the industry, cost has gone down by, I'm, I'm going to say 90, 95%. And 
as with everything, the dollar is very powerful. And having a very cost-effective installation, it's, it's cheaper than it's ever been. The second one is that as time has gone on, the technology has also improved from a reliability perspective. Uh, what we started, you'd be looking at, say, a, a 20 to 25-year lifetime. And now you're seeing panels that are warranted for 30 to 35 years. The, the racking has never been the problem. That's steel. People understand steel. But we're getting a much more comfortable, how, how long will these panels last? And it's a darn long time. <laughs> Please replace your roof before putting the panels on. <laughs> you don't want to have to take them off. That's right. That's, uh, the timing of your uh, capital renewal is important. Oh, oh very much so. <laughs> So if you, could you give us kind of a brief overview of the, the solar market in the GTA, the state of the solar market? I would say the state of the solar market in the GTA is very hot right now, uh, both at the, the residential and at the commercial level. Um, I, I know that I've just, on my own, been approached by people just trying to, hey, we want to put solar on your house? Uh, and I know family members have as well. Uh, unfortunately, uh, something we might come across later, my, house, my home falls victim to having mature trees. Uh, which is one of the downsides of Oakville is that we have beautiful, beautiful canopies that provide shading to our houses and also to our potential solar panels. <laughs> um, but that's not a problem for all the GTA, and we're seeing a huge interest from, from commercial landowners as well, warehouses, park, you know, office buildings where they got a big parking lot, looking at what can we do with these spaces. And, well, you know, sometimes these things don't happen on a dime. There's definitely that interest there, and I expect to see, you know... Next time I fly back in for something, you're going to see that many more buildings with solar panels on top. Yeah. Uh, and mo a lot of the new builds have them, too. Like if, uh, sometimes, in secret, the, the whole parking structure by the GO station, completely covered in solar panels. You can't see them from the ground, though. Oh, yeah. So you just got to look around on by satellite sometimes and be a bit of a spy. <laughs> Yeah, so, so yeah, we mentioned a little bit on these, there's some logistical considerations like, uh, you know, when, when you replace your roof before you, you uh, put solar panels or if it's near, near completion or your roof's near uh, end of life, you want to do that. But are there any other kind of things you'd consider uh, that people should bear in mind? Well, so I, I think we've touched upon the two biggest ones. First is, yeah, roof condition. You, you want to make sure that your roof is relatively new. Solar panels will... Generally speaking, extend the life of your existing roof, but you don't want to use that near end of life because you really don't want to have to peel them off and put them back on again. It's it's a huge unnecessary cost. Just bump up your roof replacement by five years or what have you. It's you know or or time it such that it makes the most sense to you economically. Uh, the second one is obviously shading. Like I said, Oakville is very populated with beautiful mature trees that will absolutely shade your solar panels if you're in a bungalow or something. Obviously, if you're the, the taller your house gets, the more the bigger the tree has to be to compete with it. But uh, you got to think about that very carefully when you're looking at social solution. And as well as facing, you know, uh, south is obviously the ideal facing. East, west are your sort of second best options. North is no good. So if you've got a, a beautiful tree to the south of your house, well, you got to do a little bit of a look there. Directly to the south is not as bad as southeast, southwest, because when you think about the sun, the sun, you know, starts on the horizon, moves up. So directly south, the sun's way up in the sky. Not actually a problem. But southeast, southwest, you could be losing a lot of power if you got a, you know, yeah. a nice oak there or something. Yeah. I, I'm not do not remove the tree to get the solar panels. <laughs> Probably against city policy and also not good environmentally. Yeah, and, and I think... I think most, if not all, of these companies that install them, they, they, yeah. they do an assessment they for do. you. There's, 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 many, there's many software packages and, and yeah. hand tools where you can, like, 
okay, here's the site, we'll model, the, we'll do a 3D model of it and run the sun through it, you know. Yeah. People know where the sun is. The sun, it's, it's actually fantastic. You can, you can look like, where is the sun going to be 20 years from now on this day, you know, and it's like, oh, it's going to be, you know, 30 arc degrees off this and at a 45 degrees elevation, like, the, the sun is so well known. It's it's a it's something you don't really think about, but it's yeah. it is kind of neat. Yeah, and that's kind of the, my next question because I know this comes in people's minds too. Like, uh, the, is there any geographic or climactic factors in the GTA that would affect efficiency of the solar panels? Generally speaking, I would not expect there to be enough deviation within the GTA itself. Uh, I would say downtown Toronto, you're going to get smog, and that. Hey, if you can't see through the air, the solar panel can't either. Uh, and that's that's a, that's actually a very tricky factor for modeling. I don't think that's actually necessarily well accounted for in a lot of industrial models, just because it's a very localized factor. Uh, but as far as you know, uh, terrain features or whatnot, we're, we're fairly flat here. Obviously, if you can find a south-facing hill, your you know your house is on the south-facing slope. That's great, but mm-hmm. that's you know very specifically local, and there's not. We're not like we've got a big mountain range here and you want to be on the, the windward side of the mountain or you get more snow. You know, we're not in Vancouver or something. Yeah. Um, so generally speaking, eh, you're going to get about the same results for cross the GTA. Again, the same sort of thing with lake effects. If you're like at, right at the lake, you're going to get a little slightly different conditions than further out. But it's not going to be hugely material most of the time. Yeah, and, and it's also like, you know, the other thing um, people think, well, some people may think like solar panels are more for the sun states like Arizona and that type of thing. But what about the, the potential in Ontario? It's, well, it's absolutely competitive with, you know, one of the first com- countries that went huge in on solar is Germany. And we're just as sunny as Germany. Yeah. Um, so, yes, we're not the same as Arizona. We're obviously, there's, there's a competitive disadvantage there. But we're absolutely still sunny enough to be competitive with our own economic, with our own price of electricity. Um, so... Yeah, it could be better, but uh, that's the nature of the sun. We can't change it. It's a fixed yeah. very, you know. Yeah. <laughs> we can't change the sun. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Okay, uh, the other thing that comes up um, is, uh, the, and I think most people would know this term, or, or it's not that difficult to understand, but it's this net metering system that occurs where you have to be able to um, – you, you draw from the grid if you have a solar panels on your roof, but you may also contribute to the grid. So do you know, can you tell us a little bit about the system in Oakville and how it works for individuals? Sure. So so the way net metering works as a, as a high-level descriptor is essentially you're using the grid as a battery. You know, if you're producing more than you need at your house, you export power to the grid and they credit it to you. And then when you're Net drawing power from your house, you know, nighttime when the solar system is not producing more on, you're you're pulling that energy back out of the grid, and there it's going to be, you know, in the agreement it's going to be you cannot, you know, export net power usually. Essentially, you can at most zero out your bill. You can never, you'll not get paid for any excess generation, and that that's something that a lot of utilities are fairly comfortable with because they don't want to have all these people suddenly uh, being being their <laughs> creditors. <laughs> like, hey, wait a second, <laughs> we owe money to every house in the street. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that, that tends to be how it works. You essentially just use the grid as a battery. Yeah. Be, and if you can't and you want to have, you know, full power at night, that's where batteries come into play. Um, but that's uh, a whole lot more expensive than a simple solar installation. And that's when you're looking to go fully, more fully off-grid. Yeah, it's um, kind of, two. there's two options yeah. there. You can just have it where it, it just goes back onto the grid. 
Or if you want to go that extra step and be more, I guess, energy independent as well, you can have your own battery that w it would load onto your battery. Yeah, and, and that's, you know, it, it really depends on what you're looking for. Um, generally speaking, at the residential level, a battery is not going to be improving your finances. Yeah. But it can be improving your energy independence, which I can't put a value on for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, and people have all sorts of, you know, different opinions on that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, if you're looking just to, to sort of perform your, your, your basic solar, let's say, it's going to be net metering or it's going to be just you feed into the grid mm -hmm. for some sort of, you know, agreed rate. Yeah, it's um, probably more popular like in cottage country where uh, you may not have as a reliable source that, of... That's where you start of, looking at the battery uh, storage. Yeah. And the, yeah, exactly. Yeah. When you're looking, okay, well, maybe a tree falls on the line. You'd like to keep your fridge cool for the 24 hours it takes him to yeah. get a truck out there because yeah. it probably fell in a couple places, let's be honest. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, in, in Oakville, I would generally expect power just to be fairly short-lived. So can you discuss the business case for homeowners and businesses that may be thinking of switching to solar power? Sure. So right now, the business case is better than it's ever been due to the, the sort of record low cost we're seeing right now. And depending on, on you know how you're looking at it, you can get a pretty darn quick payback period, uh, again, depending on what rate, what rate you're paying and how much solar you can install. Uh, in addition to that, there's a number of government incentive programs right now to offset these costs through various green initiatives and in-home home improvement programs. Um, so honestly, right now, probably one of the better times is to install solar. Yeah, and, and plus, you know, incentives, the government incentives are there. They don't, that doesn't mean they're going to last forever. So no. you want to take no, you that. Wanna, yeah, you want to get in on that um, yeah. before, before you know, the government decides one way or the other. This is, this is getting pricey. Yeah. Uh, I would say, think, recall the incentives for electric cars. Yep. You know, get get in early while it's still juicy and uh, don't regret not getting in when suddenly you're now paying more for the same thing. Yeah. And what, what about the, do the solar panels affect the property values? In a positive way. In, in a all positive cases, way? I'm aware of. I'm yeah. not a realtor. I've not sold a house with solar <laughs> panels on it. Everyone I've talked to essentially said, yeah. At minimum, you're essentially looking at, it depends on the contract is structured to with whatever offtake agreement you have. Yeah. But essentially, at minimum, your house should be gaining the value of what you put in. So it should probably be more, but at minimum, it's not a, a net negative. Yeah, yeah. Again, this is, uh, I'm an engineer, not a realtor. But if, if somebody said their house got less valuable because they put solar panels on it, I'd look at it very questioningly and wonder who did the you know, what happened there. Yeah. <laughs> what about uh, maintenance costs? Very little. Yeah. Um, I, I, you, it should be honestly practically maintenance-free. Uh, yeah. I would not be, in this area, would not be worried about cleaning it. The rain does that for us. You'll have, you know, one piece of electronics you have to keep an eye on. And again, depending on your maintenance agreement, that may be entirely covered by the operator, which, is, which again, may or may not be you depending on the, the agreement you've had with the, the installer. Sometimes they are going to operate this, I mean, you, and, you know, you receive part of the money and they receive their cut, and that's, it's completely hands-free to you. And if you're a more independent person, you don't like that sort of thing, you want to own and operate fully yourself, sure. You just need to have the same sort of setup I have where you get alarms on your phone when something goes funny, and maybe you need to hire an electrician, you know. Yeah. I wouldn't even say once a year um, at, the, at this scale. Once every couple of years. Or if something goes bad. But that's pretty rare. You know, solar farms are designed to be very sort of set up and forget it. Yeah. Um, because that's just, there's no moving parts. 
You know, how, how often do you have to change your wires in your house? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a good analogy. It's, it's similar to like just yeah. the wiring in your house. Yeah. yeah. You know, every 10 years you might want to have an electrician look at your, you know, your fuse yeah. board or something, but yeah. most of the time it just sits there and uh, is happily moving electrons from here and there. Yeah. Great. Um, so looking forward, what developments uh, can we expect to see in the solar energy sector? I, I think it's just going to be more, just more. Like, mm-hmm. as, as the cost continues to decrease, as the, the incentives and just benefits continue to accrue, we're just going to see every new build have solar on it. Every, you know, all, all major commercial spaces should have solar on their roofs. There's almost no reason not to. Uh, barring rooftop, just barring structural issues, really is what it comes down to. If you're, if you can hold the load, you should probably put solar panels on it. Yeah. Parking lots, you know, put put, put parking structures up. Not, you know, just, just canopies. It's just a little canopy over your car. It's like a little carport. Suddenly, you're not burning yourself when you sit in it in your summer. And uh, with the increase in electric cars, you're already going to need the increased electric infrastructure in your parking lot. It's yeah. just going to be the the commonplaceization. Of solar panels. It's not going to be the, hey, look, solar panels, that's neat. It's yeah. going to be, hey, why doesn't that have solar panels on it? Yeah, I, I know, like, you hear a lot about battery technology, and, and there there's some expected technological strides that could occur, uh, like solid-state batteries and stuff like that. But are solar panels, is there any breakthroughs are there, or do you think they're fairly mature in the technology? There are some fun things being done at lab scale. But the, the process for solar panels is trickier to go from, from lab to, to deployment than other things because of the sheer scale of the thing. Yeah. You know, it can work great at lab scale, but we are working in, in the scale of gigawatts at this point. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of there's a lot of inertia, um, and a lot of the changes tend to be fairly incremental. Yeah. Uh, that's not to say there's not, you know, some very interesting things being done, but it's not like we're going to see solar panels 2.0 in the next five right. years where there's a, a step change in efficiencies. Yeah, so it's um, a fairly mature yeah, technology. I, generally yeah. speaking, and even when you do see there's, there's some fun things being done, it's going to be a long time before they reach the, the cost-effective point. A lot of the changes tend to be on the support work versus the panel themselves. Like, right. Like recently the big changes have been biofacial panels where it's the same cells but you're collecting light on both sides right? glass in the front right. and glass in the back. Right. It's it's changing from a fixed tilt trackers, fixed tilt racking to single axis trackers because the cost of that came down. Yeah. Um, it, it's these sort of like support infrastructure changes versus a change to the the cell itself for converting right. a photon into an electron. Yeah, that's right. And the uh, that uh, bifacial is the what they're using at the the solar carport at the Audi Oakville. Yeah location where it comes up they can get it off the reflection yeah, it, from the cars exactly <laughs> it, it's it's a fairly small gain most of the time we're talking something yeah. in the five to ten range but you're that's five to ten percent gain on something that costs one to two percent more yeah so it's just a no-brainer most yeah. of the time unless you're putting it like on a rooftop or something where there's yeah. no no light on the back side yeah you're doing a carport bifacial field work bifacial yeah home roof probably not bifacial yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah it's it, it, things like that we're not we were looking at how can we utilize this technology in a smarter way. So I would expect to see almost more uh, step change improvements in the, either on the electronic side. So if we can get you know a, a better grid interconnection process, this is a little outside of my personal experience. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Something like that, or on the honestly the the way that things are handled commercially. Per- personally, and I, I love this idea. 
is when you get like sufficient electric vehicle penetration, is you can use the, that all the charging vehicles as a grid scale battery. Yeah. Obviously, you need to work that into the contract that they have. Yeah. You don't want to consume their battery charge, but a lot of you can do like that sort of five to ten percent move on a battery at very little cost to its lifespan. Mm-hmm. And if you have ten million vehicles. That's how many megawatt hours of storage yeah. that you can pull five or ten percent from for grid stabilization. Yeah, and yeah. you just at higher penetration with solar and wind, you do start having grid stability problems. We're nowhere near that yet. It's yeah. sort of like a, a modeled hypothetical long term problem. Yeah. Or Germany sometimes in the summer, um, but then you have if you get this giant grid scale battery essentially, then the, the, the sky's your limit. I know. I think it's Harvard who's working on some simulations yeah. about this. Uh, and it seems like a really neat idea. I was going to say, too, like businesses as well, those types of roofs are probably extremely conducive. Oh, to g- generally very much so. It, one of the, we, we do these sort of studies where companies like, hey, we'd like to see if we could put solar on you know, our four buildings or what have you. And the first step is always taking a look at them. Uh, for, for like commercial, it's how much HVAC is up there. Because if it is, you know, they're, they're running l- complex labs or they're running, you know, with a bunch of, you know, little stacks you can get to a point where it's like, look, guys, you know, we got to have setbacks from all of these. They're all casting shadows, and that's a bit of a mess. Whereas you're looking at, like, a warehouse, and it's like, well, there's one HVAC in the corner. we yeah. got, like, four acres of roof. Yeah, no, you can put a lot of solar up here. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's very much a, you can just eyeball it off the top. And, like, if you're, you know, if you've got, if it's complex, it's covered in little gas pipes and exhausts mm-hmm. and HVACs and this, that, and the next thing. Maybe not your best option. We can still probably do something. Let's not, you know, you can always find some clear areas, but you're going to be losing a lot yeah. of that area. Whereas if you're, you know, a warehouse and you're not even a cooled, you're not a refrigerated warehouse, then it's like, hey, look, it's just, it might as well be a field. Yeah. You're actually going to, uh, in all honesty, a good clean rooftop can actually be cheaper than a ground mount installation. Yeah. It's just because there's less lead to be, no, you don't need to put in foundations. You just sit it down, put a little concrete ballast to keep it weighted down. Call it a day. So can you recommend any resources um, or organizations for listeners who may want to explore solar panel installation or solar panel inf- technology a little further? Uh, honestly, uh, the CANRIA, the Canadian Renewable Energy Association, is a really good stop. Mm-hmm. Um, they've, they've gone through a couple changes recently. It used to be just CANSEA, the Canadian Solar Industry Association. They merged with their wind, and it's now one big organization for all renewables in Canada. Uh, but they, they are, I would say, the where I would go to look for a list of, you know, reputable vendors and, and partners. Right. Uh, because they've got to be a member and they've got to be in some degree of good standing. I'm not exactly sure what the process is for if they're bad to get rid of them. But at least they paid their membership dues, so they have some, they're not a completely fly-by-night institution. Right, right. Um, and they, I, uh, we, they have an annual conference. I'm actually going to that in two weeks. Uh, it's out in Calgary this year. Uh, it alternates, as far as I can tell, between Calgary and Toronto. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, there's, there's, it's very, very industry focused. So you, you, there'll be like a. Uh, actually, one of the fun things is they normally do a, have a couple of the rooftop installers uh, go head to head with like fake rooftop segments so you can install, you know, a right. couple panels the quickest, and they'll do training sessions for electricians. And they, they do all these sort of industry support things. So that would be, I would say, one of the the big organizations. I would say. Take a look through it. That's a good uh, thing to, uh, in terms of your checklist if, if you're looking at uh, installers to see if they're a part of that exactly, association. Exactly, yeah. yeah. If, if, you know, that would be, 
I, again, I, it's not like there's a, as far as I can tell, a screening to be part of the organization, but it, it's a check mark in their favor. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, thank you very much, Andrew. I really appreciate uh, delving into the, the interesting world of solar panel technology and installations. Thank Happy you very to much. be here. This has uh, been a very interesting experience and uh, fun. Thanks for tuning in to the Members of the Chamber podcast by the Oakville Chamber of Commerce. Connect with hundreds of Oakville businesses and learn more about what we do at oakvillechamber.com.